Hello and welcome to Quick Link Podcast. Today we are joined by a return guest just to, to have a catch up, see how her season's been um, and, you know, chat all things that she's been up to. It's the wonderful Maddie Nutt. How are you? I am very well, thank you. Yeah, so when we last spoke, you were about to do quite a big, sort of, I guess at the time, a, a big race for you. Um, I want to say Gravel Rift, but I could have got the name completely wrong or misremembered entirely. So please correct me. I'm trying to remember what race I was planning on doing. Um, it might have, It probably was one of the UCI Gravel World Series. Very possibly, yeah. Back in May-ish. Um, I went to France to do a race called Wish One. It was probably that. So it was one of the UCI. It was the first UCI World Series that I did. Um, And it was like a gravel race, but there was quite a lot of road in it in France. Um, And it was brutal. Like it was nearly 3000 meters of climbing over like 130K with a cyclocross circuit at the end. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, And outside of that like how how did the race go what was your general experience of it so I would say that being my first experience of like a UCI level gravel race it was quite a shock to the system as to how hard it could be I think at that point in the season I probably wasn't that prepared or fit for it and I only really started fully training in mid-jan of this year so I was only a few months in and I think it probably was a bit of a shock I still I think I still came sixth my age group but I think later results were a lot stronger um and like yeah comparatively it wasn't as good a result and I think I really struggled to the end at very much when I hit the cyclic so there was this like ridiculous cyclocross circuit at the end where actually there were two women who refused to do it and they got DQ'd it was that bad that after six hours of riding their bike, they refused to do it. Wow. It was completely off camber and sandy and awful. Like I had to walk, well, run most of it. Took me about half an hour to complete. Um, but yeah, so I think by the time I got to that, I was completely drained. I hadn't eaten enough. I had the first ever time I've ever cramped on a bike. One of my legs just, like, one of my quads completely went, and I was just su- trying to survive. It wasn't thriving. I was just surviving. God. Um, yeah. So that was that was the first one. And then that kind of gave me a taster of what UCI Gravel was like. And then I, over the time, over the next few months, kind of dipped my toes into more of it, and I got a lot better at it. Um, and I think it's one of those things where you race into it, don't you? So first hmm. one wasn't my um shining moment um <laughs> but yeah it only really got better from that yeah and I, I guess you did the the UCI gravel series with the end goal of participating in the world championships how soon within the series did you start focusing on it I guess in, in terms of was this a plan at the very start of a season was this a plan that sort of developed and you did one and you're like you know what I could do this you know and you know it it took hold and and then how realistic did it feel that you could qualify so I think the whole actually going to worlds it was a bit of a weird situation where I actually didn't know I was going until two weeks before so it much wasn't planned um I kind of I'd hoped that I'd be able to go 
Um, but given the like qualification criteria, it was quite difficult specifically for women because of the low amount of entries and the high standard of quality of the limited entries because it's based off like percentage of finishers. So it was like 25%, first 25%. But for a man, that would be like 50 men. But for a woman, that would be maybe three women or like four women. Um, and that everyone in the women's field, more or less, is a full-time rider. Um, whereas in the men's field, you get a lot more people who are just giving it a go. Because I feel like women on the whole are probably less likely to sign up something that says UCI gravel race on it that's 150k than maybe a man would be. So I think initially I didn't really think that it was something that was a potential for me to do just because the qualification criteria was quite hard. Um, but in the end, I actually got sent by like BC to go for the elite race. So I actually didn't need to qualify, which was really great. Mm. Um, and it also meant I got to race the elite race rather than the age group race, which is what I wanted to do anyways. Um, but yeah, so I only knew two weeks before the actual race, which was pretty crazy. So it was last minute booking of everything. I was hoping that I'd be doing it. So I was training as if I was going to do it. Um, it would have been a bit disappointing if I didn't race it because then I'd have to suddenly have an off season with no final race. Um, yeah yeah it was my last race of the season so it was awesome for it to be something of that caliber Mm. and what was that experience like because obviously there's well I got interesting vibes from it because uh, as a kind of onlooker you see people like yourself who are are dedicated to, to gravel or seemingly dedicated and more specialist and then you've got people like just from the men's field, like Superman Lopez just turning up and, you know, he, he hasn't got a pedigree in gravel, to the best of my knowledge. Um, but then you've got people like, and hopefully I've got this right, you you had like Mikey Mottram, you had like current road teammates taking part. So it's kind of like, it's national team, but it's people you know from the UK and it's kind of weirdly not national if that makes sense yeah no it was really I think it was strange in general with like who showed up because you really did have a huge variety of races like Pauline Ferran Prevot obviously won the women's and she's obviously insane I mean she's insane at many disciplines but like you wouldn't put gravel on that list until now she's world champion um there were a lot of top road riders both in the men's and the women's a lot of big names on the road and I think it's because for them, I think some of them are maybe just having a go at it. It's another World Championships, isn't it? Like, they're going to give it a go. Um, and I also think the course kind of, it maybe wasn't gravelly enough in the sense of things that if you were a road rider who wasn't very experienced off-road, you'd probably be all right. So, like, I think someone told me the stat that it was something like 12 of the first 15 men were on road bikes, which is crazy. <laughs> It was something crazy like that. And there were bits, there were tiny bits that were like slightly technical, but there was nothing that I would say was particularly overly technical. And there were a lot of like bike path style gravel trails. Um, Mm. So yeah, I think it just had like a huge mix. And then, yeah, I had a few teammates from Spectra who were also racing um, in the men's race. So racing in the men's race, um, which was pretty awesome. But it was weird to be with them in different kit. That felt really strange. Yeah, especially because I, can't remember his first name but Sheska as well who's a German which is yeah. even weirder like Freddie is German <laughs> not British and I didn't realize this well I know that his family is German but I didn't realize he's like literally registered as German not British until 
we were talking about going he's like well I'd have to go for Germany and I was like what um but yeah so he raced for Germany um so I think but I do think there was an element of the German team did speak to him and say just you know you are racing for Germany like you're not racing for any of your other teammates Mm. yeah I guess I mean that has been known to happen in in the road worlds um quite well legendarily certainly the the certain british pros who are allegedly rode for other teams because it suited their trade team more than them um and they didn't get selected for a very long time after but it's it's before my time certainly um but obviously it has been known to happen um but yeah that that's I, i when you said about the stats about like who finished on what sort of bike i remember watching the coverage they were telling us that like the the actual course was like barely meeting the minimum like it's it like you had to be like 40 percent gravel and it was like 41 or something around that number where it's like just add one to the percentage and that's where it was yeah there was quite a lot of grass as well it was it was an interesting course um hmm. yeah there was like a couple of there was a road descent that was pretty techy. It was it was bizarre. I think the Americans were pretty shocked by it. I saw like quite a lot of stuff on social media about it being a very long cyclocross race. I wouldn't refer to it as a very long cyclocross race. I would say it was more like well to me, gravel's not really defined in terms of it's not the same every time. And I think that's what's so exciting about it. So to me it was a gravel race. Like it was off-road, I was riding a gravel bike. Um bit questionable that people were riding road bikes, but I think they all had gravel tires on, or you'd assume they all had gravel tires on. Um, but yeah, I think gravel is so unique in that every race is different. So some of it could be more techy in like a cyclocross kind of race. I didn't have to get off at any point, so mm-hmm. there were no hurdles. Um, but yeah, I do think it was it was kind of a unique race in the gravel that they presented, and I'd be intrigued to see what they do next year because it's going to be in the same area again. Yeah, yeah, because for me, I was getting like Strada Bianca vibes from it. And I'm like, yeah, I, I can see it being gravelly, but not like, it wasn't unbound levels. Um, no, it wasn't, <laughs> just... it wasn't unbound levels for sure. I think also the different kinds of gravel leads to different kind of racing. And if mm. it's narrow at points, which it was, and it was very narrow. So and it, basically it started up an incredibly steep climb, mm. which was apparently it's quite a well-known climb and it was it was quite gravelly with like huge ruts in it and then you went down like what is essentially a footpath that was switchbacks in a forest and it was so narrow that there was no way to overtake anyone like you really couldn't overtake anyone apparently in the men's there were people just riding down it rather than following the switchbacks but I got stuck behind a couple of riders there and you really couldn't do anything and that's where the race completely split split apart so you have moments like that where it's then not a bunch gravel race in the sense that something like Unbound maybe is. And it's more of a cyclocross style race. But yeah, it was it was bizarre. And that hill was disgusting. Yeah. It's, re- it's also quite weird to watch it on TV like because for a lot of it, I didn't know what was going on. Um, mm. There were several groups just spread everywhere. And... You know, it's hard to to keep track. How did you find it 
within the race knowing where you were like is that quite easy to tell or do you just go I think I'm somewhere between first and last but you know to be more precise I couldn't tell you I honestly had no idea and I'd say so after that switch back descent I stuck I was with a group a small group for a fair bit and then I got dropped on the technical descent from that little group and it was like a technical road descent and I was just breaking a bit too hard and not that experienced descending on the road so I was like right I'm just gonna I'll try and chase back onto them and I had this sudden moment where I was like oh my gosh I could be last because at no point had I looked behind me so I didn't know at what point I'd reached the top of the first climb I didn't know how far forward I was so I was like what happens if when I hit the top of that climb I was actually towards the back I could be last now and I had a slow moment within me where I was like if I'm last, do I just still try and finish? I was like, I still got another like 130 odd K to go, whatever. It's a, it was a long way to go, like 120 K mm. to go. So do I do that on my own in the hope that I maybe catch on to someone? Um, so I had a big moment of reflection, but you have no idea. Turns out I wasn't at the back and I, I, I was relatively decently um, within the field, but you just have no idea. And then it took until I saw another rider behind me and I was like, do you know what? I'm going to work with her for a bit, get, regain motivation. And then I caught back on to that group that had dropped me and then slowly kind of worked my way forward again. Um, but yeah, I did have this moment where I was like, I actually, you can't tell where you are unless someone tells you. Um, oh. and you have no idea what the gap is between you and the riders in front. Like actually at the end, I like bonked basically with 8K to go because I ran out of fuel, ran out of water, just died, missed a feed with, that missed the feed 60k to go and that was it I had nothing left um and I just completely had nothing left in me but turns out the group I was with then caught onto the group in front and I would have actually been racing for 22nd I think mm. and then 29th so that's a whole chunk of positions that I could have made there and that I wouldn't have realized because in my head I was like I'm dying and there's no way there's going to be anyone in front of us like we've been racing for how many hours like there's no way there's gonna be someone there but like they could just be down the road by two minutes or like one minute and you don't realise. Yeah, that makes it really difficult. And how does that play for you? Because like, I guess what I'm trying to get at is more like, how are you motivated and what goes through your mind when you're cycling? Because I know for me, I, my mind goes in all sorts of directions and, you know, weird and wonderful things. I have epiphanies about something like, oh, Bambi is actually the Italian for child. Um, you know, things like that, that you just like, that that thought doesn't need to cross your mind. But like, where does your mind go? Because I know you said like, oh, am I last in that sort of crisis of yeah. confidence almost? Is that where it typically goes or, or what happens for you? I think it depends on the race. I'd say sometimes, especially this, these longer races, it gives you more time for your mind to go somewhere particularly wild. I would say I have crises of confidence sometimes in racing, but normally only when I've like dropped um, or I'm not, I feel like I'm not doing so well. Sometimes, I mean, I had a nice chat to Park Moon and halfway through gravel, like in the last like 10 gigs ago. So sometimes you're actually just, we shouldn't have had the energy and we shouldn't have been going at a pace where we could have had a chat, but we did have a chat. Um, sometimes, yeah, sometimes I, get songs caught in my head which is particularly annoying mm. um, I have like proper conversations with myself normally because it's a long like it's a long way to go 
Um, but a lot of it is also just seeing, especially off and this is why I think I much prefer gravel racing to road racing, is you're constantly concentrating. Like you've always got to make decisions and think about where you're moving. So your mind's a little bit more on that than maybe road racing. So you've got a, a little bit more focus on like, which line am I taking? And when I'm not thinking, and someone told me this, they're like, when you're not thinking, you should be drinking. So when I'm not thinking, I am normally drinking. Hmm. That's a really good, good way of thinking about it. Um, um, although I did then run out of water, so maybe that'll, <laughs> maybe I was doing <laughs> not enough thinking of too much drinking. Yeah, and some would argue, like, if you're just focusing on the song that's going around in your head, you're like, oh, should be drinking, really. Like, this song's not that important. Um, what have you had recently? Because I have that with songs as well, and it won't be the whole song. It'll be, like, half a, like, one line just repeated like someone's watching tiktok and trying to read the comments so it just keeps playing the same thing um any particular bangers that have been going on for you it depends what i listen to like sometimes i get tired i have a bit of a yeah thing with like disney and interval sessions i don't know why but i find a lot of very uplifting disney powerful songs to be really good for when you've got to properly grit your teeth so sometimes i get those in my head um but yeah, it honestly just depends. It's what I've been listening to most recently is what comes in. I can't control it. No. Yeah, I can imagine that, actually. Like, speaking of Disney, though, um, completely off topic. But um, I recently heard there's a Surface Pressure, the one from Encanto. Yeah. There's a sort of metal version of that. Ooh, and it slaps. It's so good. Maybe I do need to listen to that because that is one of my favourites. Yeah, it is such a good, um, good song. I really, really rate it. That's um, just as a metal cover version of it. <laughs> I hope it's metal. I I don't know subgenres, so if anyone's listening who's hardcore into that sort of thing, please don't hurt me. Um, <laughs> I don't want to get it wrong. Um, but yeah, going back to sort of gravel worlds, like because you mentioned there, there was the the qualification criteria to get into into age groups so how did it work with elite because you seem to suggest like bc just went oh we'll, we'll take maddie you know yeah to be honest i'm not really sure how it worked in the end i think if you'd have qualified for for the age group race and you're on a conti team you had to race in the elite so okay. like, there's certain criteria within which you had to then move to the elite for the women's almost everyone had moved themselves to the elite by asking their national federation and i think I got like a wild card entry just because the team spoke to BC and were like, this is what Maddie's done in terms of like her results. And I, I wasn't far off qualification at a couple of them. So it kind of did make sense to then be able to do it given that only like, and the same people were qualifying in every round because there were only like three spots and mm. then the same people were podiuming in every round. So there weren't really many people qualifying. Um, and yeah, with the women, almost everyone moved into the elite because there weren't there wasn't really the field in the age group and I think that's probably where UCI maybe need to work out what they're doing with gravel and I think there are going to be changes next year and maybe having an elite category in every round would be a better move um because there is that field like there are definitely enough women and enough men like elite slash pro gravel racers who want to like properly pursue that Mm. and I guess what was the biggest thing you took out of your world championship experience? I I assume it's your first world championships at 
certainly at this level, but in terms of being on a bike. Yeah, no, it definitely was my first one. I did, like, when I used to do triathlon, I've done, like, age group Europeans, but, like, this was a completely different level. Um, I think it was just, it was an amazing experience in terms of, like, the atmosphere being there, like, being at the start line with cameras everywhere, people interviewing you, people interviewing everyone, and, like, being actually on the start line with people who you look up to. Um, I think that was a big thing for me, like, racing against women that I admire as cyclists um who I would aspire to be as good as them and I'm actually in the race with them it's pretty Mm. crazy um I think like the main thing I kind of took from it is just kind of like big kick of motivation to to sit to like see actually the top or like being closer to the top isn't that far away like the fastest girls are pretty damn fast but like being up there isn't that much of a stretch from where I currently am that I think it kind of gave me a bit of a kick to be like do you know what you're racing in the elite world champs like you actually could properly pursue this a little bit more um rather than being a a disheartening (laughs) race where I went home like uh maybe not yeah does it maybe humanize them a little because for me you know I I look at some of the top pros I'm like they're in a different world to me like it even I I say it or not uh, a lot so it's probably even a cliche now but like I've raced against the Yates twins but even they like to me that they're, they're completely otherworldly there's no chance I could ever be on their level but if you're in the elite world champs you're like oh yeah they're, they're just like me like they have the same you know they have a routine they get up you know they're here equally yeah, I think it does humanise them. It humanises them, but you still have a level of, like, huge respect for them. Like, you are extremely accomplished and better than me. But I think there is a level of, actually, like, we all train hard and we all work hard towards this. And at the end of the day, they are just normal human beings. Like, you sometimes mm-hmm. think that these extremely accomplished cyclists are, like, some sort of, like, special human beings and live particularly weird lives but you just see them sitting before the race having dinner or lunch in the town and they're just there with their partner like anyone else would be um so yeah I think it definitely did humanize them a bit oh that's good and then I I guess from what you're saying it sounds like it also makes it feel like achievable for you that you know it's it's not as you said it's not a big step yeah I'd say I'd say it's a big step but it's not a big like it's not a huge step that's probably (laughs) I think I've got a big step to step up to a point where I'm like say for example competing for top 20 um but I would say it's not it's not unreachable it would be unreachable to be competing for the podium (laughs) I think to be competing for top 20 at Worlds next year maybe maybe with a really good year's training um could be achievable so you've touched on next year and I know we we discussed this a little off pod um you know about there are plans for next year how much can you tell me so the plans are not solidified so the only thing I can really say is that I will be mainly focusing on gravel next year so pretty much not going to be racing on the road I'll probably do a couple of the national road series just for training purposes and just to give a couple of them a shot um but yeah my like 
my ideal race calendar next year and what I think I'm looking at doing is like the big international gravel races, which is really exciting. Like hoping to go to the US a couple of times. So Unbound is on the list. Um, Steamboat, uh, Gravel Wells in Nebraska. I think Gravel Locos in Texas. So I've got four American gravel races that I want to be doing next year. Quite a lot of international travel. So I've got, I've already got an entry to the Rift in Iceland. Um, Finland gravel, I've already got an entry to. So I've got, yeah, a really exciting calendar. Um, how I'm going to be doing that calendar is not something that I've fully signed and solidified yet, but I'm incredibly excited um, to see what I do next year and if I can kind of hit these bigger gravel races. I think to to progress in gravel, I really need to be just doing the biggest races in the world and like racing the best races because that's the way I'm going to get better. Um, and also I'd love to travel to all these places and do these really exciting races too. Um, so yeah, that's the plans for next year. Wow, that sounds really exciting. And do you say, was it World Series or the actual Worlds are in Nebraska this year? Oh, this coming year? Gravel Worlds that was like the unofficial World Champs before there was a World Champs. I mean, it wasn't really unofficial. It's just called Gravel Worlds, but that's a race. Uh, it's a big American gravel race. So I'll be doing that most likely. Um, but yeah. Wow, that's really exciting. And I can't wait to to see how it all goes and, and keep up with you and hopefully have a, a similar chat next year with, you know, maybe not a 29th at the World Championships, but many, many good results to, to talk about. Hopefully. Maybe, maybe I can make it top 20 next year. I'm sure you can. Yeah, we'll see. I think the thing with gravel is it's growing so much and people are realising how great it is that I think there's going to be more and more top road riders moving over to gravel and then it's going to be being at the level where you're still competing with them or better than them um, as people start to gain the skills from the road because they'll have the power. <laughs> yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh. Is that double-edged? It's like we want recognition for gravel but now recognition's coming, it's getting harder. It's like, ah, oh, damn. Now I've yeah. actually, you know, got to beat amaze, like everyone. Yeah, I do think very much it's going to just keep getting harder. And there will be gravel specialists, like, for example, Mikey and I, I think both of us are probably going to go down the route of becoming gravel specialists just because we love it and we don't really love road racing. <laughs> um, but I think that there's going to continue to be more gravel specialists. But I do think as gravel grows, the, the prize pots at some of the American races are pretty good. People are going to start seeing that and seeing that people are having a better time doing it. It's less toxic than road racing. Um, and I think it will gradually get harder and harder as more people like leap to the, the dark side. <laughs> yeah, gravel will become that dirty word that triathlon used to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you just keep doing them. Started in triathlon, ended up in gravel. Ended up in gravel, dipped my toes in road cycling, decided this isn't the scene for me. Fair enough. Well, in which case, I'll let you get on with your day. But thank you so much for, for the chat. And I can't wait to see what comes next. Awesome. Thank you so much for making time to chat to me. You've been listening to QuickLink Podcast, your daily microdose of pro cycling news and results. You can find us across social media at QuickLinkPod, or you can contact us by emailing show at quicklinksports.com. Share the show, and we'll be back with you tomorrow. Bye now. <laughs>